So we've been talking about this series and basically the idea of what is it that you can do when you find yourself in a situation um, where things have not gone right um, in some aspect of life. Hopefully it's not every aspect of life for you, but in some aspect, whether that be in um, a marriage, some other relationship, career, whatever aspect might apply in which everything kind of just fell apart and burned to the ground. And you find yourself in a position of needing to make a comeback. You've got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, make another run at it. We've been talking about what you can do to make sure that the next time is not the same as the last time. And the steps that we've been looking at as we've gone through this series are this. We, week two, we talked about owning it. Um, and that is exactly what it sounds like. Um, that, that is basically you need to stop telling the story that makes you feel better about what happened. Um, you need to stop telling the story that it absolves you of any responsibility uh, of the things that went on. Um, the one that shifts blame somewhere else, that story, and we all, we've all got the story, that story that you like to tell because when you tell it, people listen to you and they're like, oh, I feel so bad for you. And you kind of get that, um, that, that feedback that you need, like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're on my side. Yes, pity me. Yes, yes. And we kind of, we kind of grow up. And enough of us tell that story for long enough that that story and that event kind of starts to become our identity. And we almost don't know how to see ourselves without the story. So even the idea of getting rid of the story is kind of scary to some of us because we have created part of ourself within that story. But we talked about how you've got to realize in every single failure in your life, the common denominator is you. You were there for all of them. And the person that you blame in this one had nothing to do with that one. It was all you. So you've got to be honest with yourself and recognize your contribution to the failure, own it. Then last week we talked about rethinking it um, and not just rethinking it as in playing it in your mind over and over because we all play that game. Like, oh man, like I'm, I'm playing like, oh, I'm mad. And then all of a sudden, sometimes we'll be like, oh man, it's been three days since I thought about that. I'm not mad. Let me replay it. Oh, I'm mad again. You know, and we like, oh, we like it. We get energy off of it. But we weren't just talking about like that kind of rethinking. No, 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 no. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about changing your thought process. Once you recognize what part was your fault and you own that part, what was the thought process that caused you to get there? Why is it that you were dating such a jerk? Why is it that you made such poor financial decisions? Why is it? We talked about changing your thought patterns so that you don't conform to the patterns of the world, but you begin to think and see things the way God thinks and see things. Now today I wanna talk about what basically is the opposite of own it, and that is uh, let it go. Um, For homework a couple of weeks ago, I I had given you the assignment that I have tasked you with um, make it a pie chart. How many of you made your pie chart? I need a stronger drink. <laughs> so I'd given you all the task of making a pie chart in which you were supposed to take that as being everything inside of that circle was everything that went wrong. And when we tell the stories, we give us a little sliver of that wrong and a whole lot of the rest of it to somebody else. And I wanted us to look honestly at the things that had happened in life and give ourselves the actual amount of blame that was ours. And for some of us, that might open it up to about a quarter, some of us a half, some of us need to go on full. 
But basically, the, the first week, own it. That's the part that's yours. But I want to talk today about the rest of it. Because undoubtedly, there are situations that you've been in and it's ended up in an absolute mess. And there are at least some, if not large aspects of it that were not your fault. That there was nothing that you did to cause it. There was nothing you could have done to prevent it. But yet, here you are. And so today, I want to talk about that part. Now, let me give you the main thought here. So, you know, in case you just decide, <laughs> okay, I've heard enough. I need to go to lunch. Um, you can leave early and have the main idea. Um, but the main idea is this, is that just like owning your part of the blame uh, will, uh, or not owning your part of the blame enables you to carry your part of the blame into the future and makes the future look just like the past, um, not dealing with the other part, the part that wasn't your fault, not dealing with that part allows people to smuggle their issues into your future. So if you don't own your part, you carry your issues in. But if you don't deal with their part, you carry their issues in. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing, is that when we look back at the people that played a part in some failure, some disappointment, somebody hurt, why would we want to carry their issues with us into our future? Those people who lied to you, who cheated you, who hurt you, why would we do anything to allow those people to influence our future? Right? Why would we do that? Who wants to do that? And for many of you, this is why you're on a second run of something. You may be in a second marriage. You may be trying to make another run at rebuilding a career. And things are starting to look a whole lot like the last time. And things are starting to look familiar. And you're starting to get that feeling like, uh-oh, it's happening again. It's coming around again. And, and you gotta wonder, why, why, why is that? Because none of us want the people who created chaos in our life to have influence in our future. Now, I'm gonna ask a couple questions. I'm gonna warn you up front, these are insensitive questions, but you didn't do your homework, so I don't care. <clears throat> Um, but I don't know your situation. So if I ask this question you, and you feel like, oh man, he's pointing me out. He just might as well say my name from the microphone. Ah, I don't know. I'm not, it's not about you. I mean, I hope it's about you. I hope you feel like I'm pointing you out, but I don't know your situation. But here's questions that we all can ask in any situation. He, here's, here's one. Hopefully we can make an adjustment. Here's one. How far into your future do you intend to carry the past the angst that you created in your past. That is how long do you plan on carrying the anger and the turmoil that was created in your past? How long do you plan on carrying that with you? To which on the surface is a silly question because you're like, well, uh, I don't intend to carry any of it. Okay, that's good. Then you're gonna have to actively do something about it. Here's, here's kind of another way to, Ask that question. How long do you plan on allowing yourself to be influenced by the people who mistreated you? How long? Another week? Another month? Another year? Another marriage? Another job? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't plan on that at all. I don't plan on letting somebody influence you. Exactly. None of us plan on it. We just let it happen. We don't put forth the energy and the effort and focus on the things we need to focus to keep those things in our past and those people and the things that, have, that they've done to us from influencing. We just live. 
And as a consequence, we, we allow these things to cause us to, in our future, not trust people, to not let people get close to us, to have short fuses, to, to begin to doubt ourselves, to have poor self-image. We allow people who have mistreated us in our past to influence our present. So this is a really, really important question that we need to be asking ourselves. Here's another question. This, this question is easier. Um, have any of you ever met somebody who seemingly has a wrinkle-free life? I mean, you know that their life's not perfect, but like their job's great, their spouse is great, their kids seem great. Like everything that you just think like, ah, oh, I mean, I know their life's not perfect, but like, whew, that'd be pretty great if I could slide it. Anybody, anybody know those types of people? All right, okay. I don't, I don't know that I trust all you are telling me the truth. We all know at least one set of people like that. Like, oh man, that'd be all right. But I've met a lot of those people. And it's always amazing to me when, when I see people like that and then I hear their story. And not all the stories are the same, but there's a lot of times that I see people who are like, man, life is good. They seem to be doing really well with it. And then I hear their story and there's like some big event. I mean, something at some juncture went really wrong. And there was a lot of hurt within their past, something big and ugly. And I think, man, I would never have guessed from the way that you're handling your life now, I would never have guessed that that was something you experienced, that that was something that you had gone through because there's no trace of it within their lives. They seem to have just been able to completely move on past it and found a way to be healthy. And when, and when I see those things, I mean, a lot of times I think, man, if something that extreme would have happened, I might've been crushed and never recovered. Like, I, I don't know how I would have responded, but I don't think it would have been good as this. But when I've come across those people, there's, I've, I've asked them, if the, if the situation allows me, I ask the question, I'm like, how did you do that? How did you experience what you experienced? How did you uh, have people hurt you the way they did? How did you have things fall apart in such a spectacular manner? How did you do that and overcome it? And anytime that I've asked that question, and been able to get into a conversation with people about it, and, and I've been able to do it quite a few times, all of their answers have a variation of a sentence in common. And sometimes they come out with it right away. Sometimes it takes conversation to get there. But all of their answers inevitably have a singular word in it that they all share, and that's this, decided. Decided. All of their answers at some juncture, they say something to the effect of, well, I got to a point where I decided, and then they finish their sentence. Man, how did you grow up and end up? So, you know, how did you grow up in that environment and end up like you do? Well, I decided that I wasn't going to allow, and then they continue the sentence. How, how, how did you... How did you go through that and remain so balanced? How, 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 did you, how did you experience that? And I don't see any anger. I don't see bitterness. I don't see um, self-pity. How were you able to get past that? And 100% of the people that I've had this conversation with have said some variation of, I decided. They decided that their past would remind them, but it would not define them. 
They decide that as bad as whatever happened to them was, and as tempting as it would be to allow that to, to, to be part of their story and to carry that with them and find some sort of identity, they decided they would not be defined by it, that that event would not determine who they are. They made up their mind. They said, I decided there's, a, there's enough pain in life. You don't need to be carrying around all the old stuff. There's gonna be plenty of new stuff to be worrying about. There's gonna be enough new things to face. I don't need to be carrying around all of the baggage of the past. So as we wrap up this series and we, we work on making a comeback and ensuring that the next time doesn't look like the last time, you've got to be able to release the past. You've got to be able to release the emotions that are tied to it, the anger that may be with it, the shame that some of you may be carrying from things that have gone on in the past. And you always want your past to inform better decisions, but you don't want to carry the emotion with it. Now, the religious term for this, and zero of you are going to be surprised, the religious term for the way to do this is forgive. Forgive. And none of you are surprised, but forgiveness is powerful. And forgiveness allows us to leverage the lessons from our past without carrying the baggage of the past. And in the New Testament, Paul writes a letter to the church of Ephesus because he went around after he finally started um, behaving in a respectable manner and not trying to um, quash the movement of Jesus. He went around, he started churches for the movement. And one of the churches he started was in Ephesus and he would make a regular, uh, he would make a habit of writing to the churches that he had started when he's off in other places. And so he writes to the Christians that are in Ephesus and he writes something in this letter that is just so insightful. And when I come across things like this, th this is one of the things that, that convinces me that the writings of the scriptures are inspired. Because for people to be able to have some of the insights into human nature the way that they did a couple thousand years ago and to write these things down and for them to be saved and copied and passed on and for us to be able to read them today and for them to have so much relevance. Those writers had to be inspired. And so Paul, he, he, gives, he gives, says something in these texts that are absolutely amazing about forgiveness, about not carrying your past into your present and about making sure the next time doesn't look like the last time. He, here's what he writes in Ephesians chapter four. Verse 26, he says this, in your anger, do not sin. And in the Greek text, that's actually two separate imperatives. If you want to literally say it, Paul writes, be angry, do not sin. Which is great because many of you are actually applying a part of the scripture and you didn't even know it. <laughs> be angry. Anybody got that covered? <laughs> Yeah, see, you thought you were just completely hopeless with following the Bible. Nope, you got at least one part right. You got the anger part right. Um, it says, be angry, but the second pair of do not sin. Now, this is cool because basically Paul is saying there is an appropriate place for anger. There is an appropriate time to feel and deal with and experience the emotion of anger. 
And as you look back on anger and you begin to dig down and figure out what is it that causes that emotion, the majority of times we are angry because people have hurt us. So there's a place for anger, but it has to be handled properly. He says, do not let. Be angry, don't sin. Do not let. Implication being, what he's getting ready to say next, you have control over. It's up to you. It's your choice. You can choose to let or you can not let. But either way, you've got a choice as to what's happening next. He says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Which goes back to my earlier question. And maybe we can, maybe I can phrase it the way Paul phrases it. So how long are you gonna carry the anger from the past with you? How many sunsets? If we're, if we're talking like Paul, as he tells us not to let the sun go down on our anger, because you've got a decision to make when it comes to carrying the things of the past. You can engage the process in such a way that your anger and the hurt that is causing that anger does not influence your future. You can do something about your anger, which begs the question though, how? How can I do that? Because after all, Andy, anger is an emotion. How do I just stop emoting? Like if I'm feeling a feeling, I can't just say, okay, I'm not gonna feel that anymore and turn off the switch. Now, I've met some people that actually maybe can do that. And I don't think that's necessarily fully healthy <laughs> to be able to just turn off your emotions and pretend they're not there. But for the rest of us, like you can't just be feeling something and somebody say, oh, don't do that. And you're like, oh yeah, you're totally right. Switch. We can't do this. So how? How, how do I just stop feeling? And, and we'll get to that in this message. I'm not gonna leave you hanging that long. But the first step is, is that you've got to recognize that you have a choice to make. And then he says something that's absolutely brilliant. He says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give. Other Greek translations there. Do not grant. Do not gift. Give away for free. Do not give the devil a foothold. Now I'm going to come back to that word devil in just a second. But I want to look at the word foothold first. Figuratively, foothold means an opportunity. Do not give the devil an opportunity. But literally, it means a staging ground. It means a piece of property, a piece of area, a designated space in your life. And he's basically saying, okay, do not give the devil space in your life, an area where he can stage and prep and prepare to do work against you. Because if you don't deal with your anger, if you don't deal with the emotions, the junk in your life that wasn't your fault that you're carrying with you, you will create a staging ground in your head in which the devil will use to influence your future. Now, to the word devil. In the Greek text, there's a word that is translated Satan throughout the New Testament. We've all heard of Satan. Everybody heard of Satan? Anybody not heard of Satan? Some of you don't have arms. <laughs> but in the Greek, in the New Testament, there's a word that's translated Satan. But that is not the word that Paul used in this verse. 
That isn't the word. The, the, the word that he actually used here is translated slanderer, liar, or deceiver. In fact, in some of your English translations uh, of your Bible, it doesn't say devil. It says liar or slanderer in there. And the best way to understand what Paul was saying and kind of to get your mind around what he was talking about is not to think devil, Satan. That, that's, not, that's not what he was talking about. The, the way to get your mind around what Paul was talking about, and this is where it gets really personal, I'm just warning you, is to not think devil, but take out that word devil. And in that slot where the word devil is, Put in the name of the person that hurt you. Let's read that again. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give Frank. Or do not give Betty. Do not give whatever business incorporated fired you and did you wrong. Do not give your ex-spouse. Do not give your mom or your dad a foothold in your life. Now that changes it. That takes it from some imaginary, spiritual, okay, what's going on out there? I'm not real sure. And that brings it immediately into your life. Who is it that hurt you and put their name in that verse? And Paul is saying, do not give them through what they did in the past, a staging area in your head so that you carry them with you. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you really want to give that person? And most of you have a name in your head right now. Do you really want to give that person to hurt you the most a staging ground to impact your future? Of course not. None of us do. 2,000 years ago, Paul realized if you don't deal with your anger, if you don't make an effort to deal with the things in your past that are causing that emotion, you will give those people a permanent place in your head and you will never be able to move past it. And it will impact every single thing you try to do in the future. So this is why he says, it is so important. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And he's not saying a single literal sunset. You got to fix it all in 24 hours. He's saying the sunset goes down as in a period of time. You've got to deal with it. Don't just let it be. You have a choice to make. Because every single person who has made a successful comeback in their life, who has made a run at something a second time, and the second time is different from the first time, they have not allowed their past to influence their future, and they will all tell you the same thing. I got to a point, and I decided that my past may inform me, but it will not control me, and it will not define me, and it will not determine my future. So there's a place for anger, but it has to stay in its place. A few verses later, <clears throat> this. 
get rid of. Again, you have a choice, an action he's telling you to do. You've got to choose. Get rid of. You have the responsibility to. You have control. You're not a victim. You don't need to spend the rest of your life telling the same story over and over and over again. Get rid of all bitterness. Now think about that for a minute. Paul is putting out the idea that you have the ability to get rid of your bitterness. No, 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 Andy, that's not right. Because the only way that I can get rid of my bitterness is for the person who did me wrong to come and give me the opportunity to say, yeah, I do forgive you or I don't forgive you. Until they're willing to admit their fault, until they're gonna come to me and give me that opportunity, that's what it's gonna take. Which Paul would say, no, I don't think so. The bitterness is up to you. It's up to you. All them coming to you will do is give you the opportunity to say a couple words and that doesn't change anything. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And the word forgiveness in this context means to pardon. It's a legal term. It's basically saying, you are guilty of whatever I think you did, whatever you've been charged with, you are guilty of it. The thing that you are accused of, but you do not have to pay it. You're guilty, you did it, but I'm not going to hold you accountable. Listen, this is, this is so important. The only way, to break the chain that's tying you back to your past, the only way is to pardon the person who put the chain on you. It's the only way you can do it. And I know, I know, I know, if I heard your story, if we could sit down over coffee and you could be like, Andy, let me tell you my story and you might think different. You're right, it would really influence my thinking. And I'd be like, oh man, they need to pay. Like, oh, no doubt. Everybody else. I was talking to everybody else. Your story, yeah. They need to pay. I would probably agree with you. But listen, God thinks that you deserve to be free. The God who loves you thinks that your future deserves to be free of the hurt of your past. The people who love you think that you deserve to be able to move to the next stage of your life and be free. And the only way you can do that and the best thing that you could possibly do for you, not do for the person that hurt you, but for you, is to decide to make the conscious decision. I pardon you. I do not hold you accountable. You are free to go. I am not taking you into my future. Now, if you're not a Christian, you, you can, th this is optional. You can decide this sounds good and do it. You can decide it doesn't sound good and do it. But if you are a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus, you're on the hook because here's how Paul finishes this verse. 
He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, to each other. Forgiving. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So whatever your story is, however you've been hurt by somebody else, I know, I know what they did was horrible. I know it maybe wrecked your childhood. I know maybe somebody stole a career from you. Perhaps somebody destroyed your credit rating and, it, and it's messed up things for years and years and years. I know, I know, I know. It's bad. It was terrible. To just remember, all of that happened under the canopy of God looking at you at some juncture in your life and saying, you don't deserve it, but I forgive you. I forgive you. I'm not gonna hold you accountable for what you did. At some juncture, for every single one of us, God looked at us and said, I am pardoning you. You're pardoned. And the thing that should motivate us as Christians to at least consider forgiveness is not, is not if that person deserves it. Because let's be honest, they probably don't. They probably haven't, they probably haven't recognized what they did. They probably haven't taken responsibility for their part. They probably haven't changed the way they behave. They probably don't deserve forgiveness. But the thing that should motivate us to at least consider it is that God made the exact same decision for you. And I cannot overstate this enough. God does not factor in your sin into your future relationship with him. He says, I have pardoned you for that. Basically, God freed himself of the burden of factoring our sin into the relationship that exists between us and God. And he did it by forgiving us. Your future relationship is not shadowed by your past sin. And Paul says, listen, you have got the exact same opportunity. The exact same chance sits before you. Your best bet on your future looking different than your past is to decide that the people in your past do not owe you anymore. Now, here's my suggestion for starting this process. Judge it from the pie charts. I don't know how much hope I have for you actually doing it, but here we go. And I know it's difficult because it is not easy for emotions that you have carried with you for so long. It's not easy to begin to pry those things out. But start here. Make a list. Make a list of the people that owe you, the people who have hurt you, who have taken something from you. And once you got the list of people with each person, I want you to spend some time thinking about it and write down exactly what they owe you. And the reason you need to do this is because if you just are like, oh, well, so-and-so did this thing in the past, I just forgive them generally. And you don't have specific things in mind, it's not really gonna do much for you. You need to be acutely aware of exactly what it is that you're talking about. You need to know exactly what it is that they owe you so that you can specifically release them from that debt. And if you go through and you do this, this, this is probably gonna take some time. 
But you need to fully engage it. You need to understand what it is that they took for you. For some people, it might be a childhood. Perhaps they took a marriage, a job. They took your self-image, your self-confidence. Maybe they took your sense of security. You can no longer trust anybody. But you need to know exactly what it is that they took from you, specifically how they hurt you. And as you make this list, a couple of things are going to happen. One, once you start thinking about the specifics, that part of the list is going to be longer than you think. You're going to think, okay, there's these couple things. It was a bad experience, and so they did this and this. But once you start really thinking, what are the effects? What did they take from me? That list is going to get longer than you think, and you're going to realize there are things that I have been harboring emotions over that I didn't even realize. And as you begin to write those things out, and especially if you're writing them and you go down and you start saying those things out loud, you're going to find that the a little bit of the steam is going to be let out of your anger. It's not going to go away, but it's going to begin to deflate. And you'll realize just how big of a deal all of this is and the different ways that those things that you may not have even known, how they're influencing your current behaviors and decisions and why when you're trying to do something completely different from the last time, why it may be starting to look a lot like it did the last time. And then when you look at the totality of it, you need to decide. You need to decide that they do not owe me anymore. And that is something that you've got to do that in prayer. And the first time you say it, you're not going to believe it. (laughs) And you're not really going to let go of any of it. But as day after day after day, as you spend time with prayer and God and you verbally tell, say out loud, I am not holding this against them. They do not owe me anymore. You will find that you will begin to let go of the emotions of those things that have been holding you. And here's the other thing. Once you make that list and you begin to look at what it is that they took away and what you think they owe you, you're going to come to a realization. And that realization is there is no way for them to pay back what they took from you. They can't do it. You can't give back a marriage. You can't give back a childhood. You can't give back a reputation. It can't be paid back. And so from a logical standpoint, how ridiculous is it for us to carry and wait our entire life to be given something that can't possibly ever be given? They can't undo the damage. So why hold that debt over their heads? Listen, if you want to make a successful comeback, if you want your future to look different than your past, you have got to let your past go. Easy to say, difficult to do, but there is no other way. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your scriptures that again and again and again can cut straight to the core of the things that we are doing with. And Lord, 
you are a God of restoration. You are a God of second acts. Now, there are few things in life that point to you more than somebody being able to make a successful comeback and things looking different in their future than they did in the past. And Lord, I thank you that you cared enough to, through your word, give us these amazing insights of the way that we need to begin to deal with things. And Lord, I know that there are people in this room who are hanging on to some intense emotions, who are having to deal with anger of things that were done to them in their past. And Father, I pray that first of all, you give the courage to be able to begin to face these things head on and the wisdom to, as we begin to do it, Father, to begin to see not only just what those things have done to us that we're carrying with us, but how they are affecting our future. And make it so obvious to us that if we want to be successful in our comeback, that we cannot carry these things with us any further. Lord, I thank you that you forgave us when we were undeserving. Now, Lord, for our benefit, give us the strength to be able to do that to those who cannot possibly pay us back anyway. I thank you for your mercy and grace in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being out. Look forward to next week as we begin a brand new series. It's a beautiful